Well, Pastor made it to India this morning. He hasn't made it down to Rampart yet, uh, but he has made it to India. And I only know that because Jonathan, who's traveling with him, posted a picture of their room. And that room reminded me of a thing I did in Iraq. In Iraq, when I was, state, when I was uh, deployed there, uh, we'd have guests, and I had one of the better places on the whole fob because I had what was a former mosque uh, for the field marshal, for the Iraqi field marshal. And so we had plenty of space. It was just a chapel that we turned it into, and uh, I had my own room. My assistant had his own room, although eventually he shared it with who is now my son-in-law. But every time that a guest would come and they need to spend the night, they would ask me to kick my assistant out of his room. And you know how it is if you're growing up and you're, uh, you have a guest and you get kicked out of your room, it doesn't always work so well. And so my assistant was always displaced and it just caused some havoc. So I went and created a, there was an empty building near the, main headquarters, and I took that building and created a hotel for our unit for guests, and so the beds look like those type of beds that, um, if you've been in a third world country, they're, they're not what you're used to here, even our, sometimes our worst beds are better than what they had, but they kept my assistant from being kicked out, but it, it's what this room reminded me of that Pastor and Jonathan are staying in. So he has made it to India. Uh, he will be there. Uh, he's supposed to be flying back in about the 10th or 11th, um, and depending on flights and how they'll, all that will work out. Um, but it had been three years since he had been in India uh, to visit our church over there. And he's probably going to go and name another child, which he is always excited about. Not really, but... That's what he's going to go do, because uh, they just barely had, uh, I think, a daughter. So, but uh, he's doing that. It'd be good to come back and hear the reports of how that place is and how things are going, and uh, be able to connect face to face with the pastor over there. Uh, he connects with them by, uh, I think, Zoom or something. Uh, on a weekly basis, so he sees him, but that face-to-face is something different, so that'll be good. Anyway, I'm going to look at uh, Luke chapter 19 today, Luke chapter 19, and this comes out of a conversation I had with Pastor several weeks ago, um, and we we're talking about, you know, being engaged being engaged in our world, uh, being involved both within the church and outside the church in what's taking place. And I will say that with Pastor uh, being a state rep now, I see a lot more involvement, especially outside the, within the church, uh, engaged into the, uh, what's going on in our world. And I will say that uh, it really encourages me to see this because this has been a pet peeve of mine 
pretty much my whole life. Um, it's a pet peeve of mine because of serving in the Army for so many years and protecting those rights and freedoms and people not exercising those rights and freedoms that uh, so many protect and so many lose their life in protecting. And uh, so it's encouraging that people want to be involved, want to be involved in school boards at the, in some of the lowest level all the way up. And if they're not getting involved themselves, they're supporting, they're helping with petition drives and a whole lot of these type of things. And why it's so encouraging to me is growing up, uh, there was such a mentality uh, that we're just guests in this world, we're just sojourners in this world, we're just passing through, so why does it matter? You know, this is not our home. And so many Christians were very much not engaged, involved in the processes that's been going on and hadn't been for years. And it was frustrating. Uh, and there was a song a number of years ago that talked about being so heavily minded and no earthly good. And that's, that's kind of what the Christian world was like back in that time frame. And we struggle now with some of the aspects of that because of not being engaged. And so it's such a fight now when we do get engaged. And I thought it was rather funny. I was reading an article this week that was written by a left-leaning uh, writer. Possibly the organization was that too, but at least the writer was. And he was talking about the fact that all these conservatives are now pressing for legal actions against books that are being put in school. And when they're talking legal, they're looking for criminal action. And, and uh, the author said they don't listen to what the voters are saying, although there's been a sweep of a lot of conservative people moved into what was once liberal. But they're saying they're not taking in and heeding what the voters are saying. And I thought about that, and then I thought about this last special session where they didn't heed what the voters said either. So uh, we have to be in the fight. We have to be engaged, whether it is within the church or outside the church. And I want to talk about a little bit that, about that tonight. Luke 19, verse 11. And I'm going to read this whole section just to have the whole context. Well, we're probably not going to deal with the whole section that I'm going to read. So being in verse 11, the crowd was listening to everything Jesus said. And because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. Because what did they think? They thought that when the Messiah come, they were, he was going to run over to the Romans and it was going to establish a kingdom. They were, they were seeing it not in the spiritual sense. They were seeing that this Messiah that was coming was going to be a physical place uh, and a physical sense of rule. And so that's what they were discussing on this way, on their way to Jerusalem. And he's saying, okay, they're not getting it. I'm going to tell them in a way they maybe will understand. So he wanted to correct the impression that the kingdom of God would begin right away. He said a nobleman was called away to a distant empire 
to be crowned king and then return. Before he left, he called together ten of his servants and divided among them ten pounds of silver, saying, invest this for me while I'm gone. But his people hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we do not want him to be our king. After he was crowned king, he returned and called, and called in the servants to whom he had given the money. He wanted to find out what their profits were. The first servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made ten times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you. So you will be governor of ten cities as your reward. The next servant reported, Master, I invested your money and made five times the original amount. Well done, the king said. You will be governor over five cities. But the third servant brought back only the original amount of money and said, Master, I hid your money and kept it safe. I was afraid because you are a hard man to deal with, taking what isn't yours and harvesting crops you didn't plant. You wicked servant, the king roared. Your own words condemn you. If you knew that I'm a hard man who takes what isn't mine and harvests crops I didn't plant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then, turning to the others standing by, near, standing nearby, the king ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one who has ten pounds. But master, they said, he already has ten pounds. Yes, the king replied, and to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. And as, if, as for these enemies of mine who didn't want me to be their king, bring them, bring them in and execute them right here in front of me. I want to focus in for a second on, for a few minutes on verse 13. It says, before he left, he called it together ten of his servants. Now, as we read this passage, that ten go to three, and I don't know what happened to the other seven. Maybe he got, got to that last one. Maybe they all did something. Maybe it was, we don't know. It doesn't matter. What matters is what he did here. He called them in. Divided among them 10 pounds of silver, saying, invest this for me while I'm gone. Now, when we look at the original Greek language in here, the Greek word that is being used, you can take and translate it differently. And it all really means the same thing. So when I was looking through this, we found various Bibles translated that word that we see invest. It was translated in do business, engage in business, occupy, and that's the most common one some of us has heard. If you grew up really around King James, you heard occupy until I come. Occupy, put to work, invest this or trade. The bottom line is it was very clear what was intended for them to do. He didn't mince any words about what was supposed to take place. He simply said, you need to do something. Now, oftentimes as I've looked through this, I haven't grasped that concept so much in the past. But when I grasp that concept, it brings a different understanding to what took place. When you understand that they were directed, they were ordered, they there was an expectation that was clear and defined, 
it takes his story and puts it in a different light. Because it wasn't just about a willy-nilly do whatever you want. There was strict instructions and expectations for him. And so when you look at these two that did what they were told is what it comes down to. They took those things, they used their talents to produce more out of it. And the third one just simply refused. He refused to do anything. He did not follow instructions in what took place. And when you understand that there was a directive, it makes his his lack of operation that much more sinful. He says, here's the talent. Here's the gifts I give to you. Go do some great things with it. I want to take and look at this word occupy for a moment because this is where Pastor and I had the conversation a few weeks ago. We were heading off to a meeting and we were talking about this, talking about being engaged, volunteerism, and a whole lot of other things within it. And I turned to him and said, you know that word occupy, where it says occupy until I come. The word occupy really has a military connotation to it. Because when somebody would go into an area in combat, they then would occupy that space. And that's not just sitting back doing nothing. In November of 2004, when my unit took and went to Fallujah in Iraq, we arrived there, we started engaging with the Marines because that was a Marine sector. And that means the Marines had charge and responsibility for that area. And the Marines there asked my soldiers, so what do you do in your sector? And they said, we go in and patrol it. And they go, we haven't patrolled Fallujah for three months. And they thought, well, it's no wonder we're having problems. No wonder we have to come help you out and get you out of this mess. You haven't been engaged in the processes that would keep the enemy out. They had been given orders to stay outside the city. And that became a cesspool of insurgents and foreign fighters and foreign special forces that had taken and terrorized that city and taken over. They had taken and put in roadblocks, dug up the streets, put in uh, improvised explosives, and just mined that whole area creating terror to the civilians in that area to gain control over them. The Marines had not occupied the space. They weren't going in, doing the things needed to keep it going, to keep the enemy out. So when we see this word of occupy, and we look at the other different translations of, of that word of being engaged, doing business. It's not about sitting around. It's not about just being passive about what's going on. The Marines were passive of Fallujah, and thus it became overrun, 
And then they had to have extra help to come in and, and chase the enemy out. In a lot of ways, many Christians have not been occupying this world until Christ comes. They haven't been engaged in it in a way to keep the enemy at bay. To take and make sure that things are, are being done the way they need to be done. So when a military goes and occupies, they engage in that area. They take and are amongst the people. And they're doing what needs to be do, done to keep the enemy out. We have to be occupying. We have to take and be engaged doing the business of God. He's given us gifts and talents to utilize. And if we sit back and hide those and don't utilize them, then it becomes more difficult to keep the enemy at bay. I will, as I was sitting out there worshiping tonight, the thought came into my head is how fortunate we are for the, for the volunteers we have and how much more could we do if we had more volunteers. Even in the army, though there's some things we contract out because we need the stability, like musicians. We'll sometimes contract that out and then we'll have volunteers to plus up that. If we didn't have the volunteers tonight, worship would have been a whole different place. When I was especially deployed, I didn't have the volunteers to run to run my services. So what I had to do is take and do what I called Christian karaoke. I put a CD on with praise and worship. I pushed play. We, we took and, and worshiped to a CD. It worked for what we had to. But at the same point, it's not as effective as like having live worship. If we didn't have sound person, I would sound awful. Have audio visual so we can take and, and not have to hold a songbook and we can focus on really worshiping God. Have we not had volunteers downstairs taking care of the kids, then it would be a different place inside of here. For us to be a focus on the study. Our gifts and talents are given to us to be able to be utilized. To produce more than we already have. So the directive was clear to these, to these servants. Like I said before, a little long time, maybe they didn't misunderstood. Maybe they didn't un understand what the directive was from the, uh, the ruler. Maybe he was a little bit uh, unclear. But when you get into this passage and you start looking at that, very clear. And it's what God says to us, even today. Take and be about my business. Be engaged with the skills and talents you have to produce more. 
to do more. Now, at the, at the end of that, he says, while I'm gone, we get to the literal translation of that is while I'm coming. In other words, it is not just take and do this while I'm gone, but I'm coming. There, I'm not just going away and never coming back. I'm coming back. I'm going to return, and I want to find out what you've done with the gifts that you've been given. I want to find out that you have engaged in the way that I expected you to engage. I want to know what you've been doing. Jesus is going to come back. And he wants to know, have you been utilizing the gifts and talents you've been given? Are you occupying? Are you engaged in life and doing? Or are you just sitting back, not involving yourself in the actions that need to be involved in? Are you fully utilizing your gifts and talents? Or are you taking and hiding some of that? We see the results of those who take and are engaged who are involved, who are doing what God's asked them to do. In my preparation for this, the other piece that had come to mind is we are coming up in what is known as Advent. And if you don't know what that is, coming from the chaplaincy, it allowed me to engage in a wide range of, of Christian denominations and your mainline denominations, your more liturgical denominations, they celebrate Advent. Advent is simply a time between from the fourth Sunday before Christmas until Christmas Day of a focus of preparing for Christ to come back. Now, oftentimes, what most of them are are preparing for is for the birth of Christ. They haven't translated that into his second coming. And I've always translated it into what I'm preparing is not for a birth of a baby, but for the Christ's return. It is in a time frame of celebrating his birth, but coming into a time of of preparing for his return. And so when I think about this passage here, I can't help but think about in light of this season that we're in, in light of what we're supposed to be doing, in light that we, I truly believe that we're in the last times, I can't help but think about the story of the ten young virgins. How ten of them went and prepared. They made sure their lamps were trimmed. They made sure their oils were ready. They made sure that they were ready to go at a moment's notice. And another ten took and were lazy. They didn't engage and involve and be prepared. When we're dealing with the Luke chapter 19, we can't help but look in our own lives and say, am I engaged in not just using my talents, but in preparing for Christ's return? What does that mean? Well, it means using our talents. It means engaging outside with people. It means being a shepherd of people. 
It means mentoring, guiding, discipling. For us not to do that, we are failing in God's directive, in his order. It is clear what we're supposed to be doing. It makes it clear in this passage that we're not just supposed to sit back and ride this thing out. Because what do we see here? The first servant, he invested the money, made 10 times as much. I don't know what the second one did, why he didn't make as much. It doesn't matter. He, he still was engaged enough to get something back, to add to what's already been doing. In terms of the church, it's being engaged to add to the body of Christ. And I will tell you that part of that engagement involves being a volunteer in, in various things. And I look out, most everybody here is volunteered in doing something. They're engaged in something. But at the same point, are you fully engaged? Are you doing all that God's asked you or are you just being a little bit, hold, holding back a bit and not being fully engaged in all the gifts and talents you have? So the first two have done it. They've been engaged. See the results. There's, when we're engaged in life, there are results to those things. And there's rewards to being engaged. God's, what he gives you in a little bit. And sometimes that's our frustration. We have a bigger picture. We know God has called us to something more and greater. And we're a little bit impatient to get there. And we need to be focused on what God has called us to do and asked us to do now in this time and this place. We want to push forward and take an institute God's hand and force his promise to happen. But we see throughout scripture, and we're doing this study with the men's uh, Tuesday morning. Again, I'll put a plug out there for Tuesday morning. We uh, have a little breakfast and we do a little study and we look at this study. We're looking through the book of Genesis right now. And it's interesting to see time and time again they're making the same mistakes because they're not willing to wait upon God. They're not willing to be fruitful and faithful in the small things. They want to push to the greater things. God, you promised greater things. I'm going to push your hand to that. But time and time when they do, it creates challenges and problems. Talked this a couple of weeks ago, how as we did that, as they did that, as they tried to push it, we now have Ishmael and the Arabs that they're dealing with, which includes the Palestinians. As they try to push the God's hand into that. But if we're faithful in the small things and what God has asked us to do time now. 
That doesn't seem like a lot. Maybe God's asked just to be an usher right now. And he said, I got something more for you. Just be faithful with this piece. But God, then I want the, the more now. No, be faithful in this piece. But God, you show me what the greater things there are, and I want that now. And God said, be faithful. Just patience. It's not time yet. It will be at the right time. I'll give it to you. But we see here, he says, you've been faithful with the small, I'll give you more. And then comes the third one. And he just held on. I was too scared to take and engage in whatever activity. It can't be easy being up here signing, but maybe God's laid it upon your heart that you should, and, and you go, I can't do that. I won't do that, is what you're saying. Because it's too hard. What if I mess up something? Okay, what if you do? God is asking you to give you the talents and use it. Maybe God's given you a talent of playing an instrument. And you're hiding that talent instead of utilizing it. Because what if I squeak? What if I squawk? What if I make the wrong sound? What if I hit the wrong key? Pastors told many of stories of when he's hit the wrong key or when others have hit the wrong key. And Glenda said, what did she say? I think, oh, she posted on Facebook, I think, this week. She posted a picture of her son Isaac playing the drums. I think it was this week. And she said that Isaac gave her a thumbs up. Says, that means I came in the right spot. <laughs> Linda's willing to take and maybe have a little miss in order to take and utilize her gifts and be faithful in those small things. Failure of not doing is the failure of omission. And that's a sin as much as anything else is. To not share the gifts, the talents that God has given you is a failure. And we see here what, what's it say? You wicked servant. Doesn't call him you're, you're a failure. He says you're wicked. When we don't use, utilize the gifts and talents God has given us to fulfill the gospel, to reach others, we're a wicked servant. To simply invest, even in the small things that give very little outcome, You've done more 
for the kingdom of God. There's many people I've talked to who, in talking to them, find out that they have served in the military. And they, they like to say, well, I only did a couple years. I only did three or four years. I only did. And they toss on that word only, downgrading the contribution they gave to the United States. And the reality is less than 1% who can serve even serve in the military. So it's not just only, they did, they engaged, they took the gifts and talents they had and served the military for a period of time. They've done more towards their freedoms and towards a lot of things than most people. Scripture says, better to be a doorman in the house of the Lord. So being a greeter, opening the doors is not a minuscule thing. First impressions are huge whether people come back or not. When they drive up, what does it look like? Makes a difference. You say, but that's superficial. It might be, but it's what is. And Brandon's using his talents to maintain the landscaping that we got. But it's not just lawn mowing. It is lawn mowing for the house of the Lord to provide a first impression. that says we care about them. And then they walk up to the door and they have somebody there that opens the door, greets them with a smile, and if they're brand new, points them in the direction they need to go. That's not a small thing. Because now they feel cared about. Somebody has said hi to me. And they're friendly. I can be a part of this church. And they get handed off to another volunteer that shows them how to enter the children's information into the sign-in sheet so that they don't stand in there forever being embarrassed and trying to figure it out. Somebody says hi to them. As they're greeted, they find out a little bit of their life story. It goes a long way in the kingdom of God. There's many have been burned by the church. And to have somebody recognize them, how good does that feel? To quote a secular show song, sometimes we want to go where everybody knows our name. They want to feel belonged in the fact that you meet them once and they come back and you recognize their name and you say hi to them again makes a big difference. It's not a small thing. And what this servant did is he did nothing. He took the money, he hid it, held on to it, 
and said, well, at least I'll give back what I was given to me. What I see here is that had he done a little bit of effort, he would have got something, but even if he lost money, if he had invested it and shown an effort, I think the ruler would not have been as mad at him, as upset at him. But he did nothing. Are you doing nothing with what God's given you? Does the world know that you're even a Christian? I've been involved in conversations where somebody has told another person, I didn't even know you were a Christian. I didn't even know you had a testimony. I didn't know nothing. You didn't share anything with me. Before you some say, well, I don't talk well, neither did Moses, so not a good argument. Jesus says in here, the king said in verse 26, and to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given to them. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Engage in our world. Occupy. In the military term sense of being engaged in that sector, in that arena, in your workplace, in home, neighborhood. Sharing your talents here. Sometimes you say, well, I don't want to do nursery. I don't want to take and, and do this, that, and the other. Well, what do you want to do? What is your gifting? What is your talent? Maybe your gifting and talent is, is repairing things. A lot of things we can get repaired. I've got things on my list that I've got to get fixed. If you have that gift and talent, talk to us. We'll put you to work. We've got things that need to be done. Our faith is not to be passive. God wants to give us even more, but he wants us to be faithful in what he's given us. Sometimes we get tired and worry and worn out. I get that. Take a break. Take a breath. And then get back in the game. There are many soldiers that in combat I pulled aside, pulled them off. There's one situation where in Fallujah we, we had come to a certain line and we had to pause because they had us in sectors from the north end of the city to the south, and we had a certain left and right boundaries as we went down from the north to the south. 
And so it was my unit, the Marines, another Army unit, and some more Marines, and so forth. And each of us had a section. And my unit had gotten so far ahead of those in our other sector, it put us at risk. Because now we have friendlies firing behind us instead of coming alongside each other. So we had to pause and wait. And in the midst of that pause uh, and waiting, just as the sun comes up, as if any of you have been out camping or you know, up at the time of day, it seems darkest, as they say, before the dawn, right? And it was dark. Just before the sun started coming up, and as the sun crested up, after being sitting in one spot all night, it just unleashed all kinds of things. And one of my lieutenants was hit by, with an RPG, a rocket propelled grenade, and he was in the turret of what's called a Bradley. It's an uh, armored fighting vehicle. And he got hit, and he was killed. And I knew that Bradley would be coming in with that body into it. And I was looking for that, those, those soldiers. Because I didn't want them to have to deal with that, that mess and they needed a break because an important person in their lives, a great officer who, who just every enlisted person loved, had been killed. And so as soon as I saw them come in, I told them, go take a break. Go rest. Go away as I cleaned up the mess for them. And then they were able to come back and get back into the fight. in a better mindset and a better prepared. Sometimes we can get weary in the battle that we're engaged in. And sometimes we just need to take a few minutes break. Problem is, is sometimes we, we take a break and it lasts years. And that's not the intent. The intent is take a break. Take a relax, eat, refresh your spirit, and then get back into the battle. Because we're in a battle. It's a spiritual battle. You don't have to read much through Scripture to see all the military terminology that's used. Put on the whole armor of God. In the military, everybody has a job. And when somebody fails to do that job, somebody else has to take it up. They have to pick up the slack. Which means that it's not going to get done as well as if the person that could do that job just got engaged and did their job. In the body of Christ, we all have a responsibility. We all have a purpose to be engaged. And if we're not doing it, somebody else is going to have to pick up the slack. And it's just not going to be done as well as the person who has the skills and talents that God's given them to do it. Be faithful in the small things God's given you. So he'll bring you up to the next level. You show your faithfulness in the thing you're doing. God says, I got something more. You've shown you have the skills and talents. You have shown your leadership ability. Let's grow you. Let's go to the next step. You got to be moving first. You got to be engaged first. You got to be doing what God's asked you to do. 
and we keep doing it until Christ comes back, because he's coming back. It's not a question of if or maybe. And sometimes we can get tired and weary in the waiting. When, when, when. When I was in Kosovo, we were supposed to be there for six months. And instead, the Iraq war broke out. And so we didn't know when we were leaving. Kept wondering, asking the question, when are we leaving? Don't know. Our job was just to keep going until they said, here's your relief. Until we saw the whites of the eyes of those who were coming in, we were supposed to keep going. Don't know when Christ is coming back, but what I know is that we're supposed to be doing and moving and going forward and continue to take care of what God has asked us to take care of, to be engaged in the process. The direction is clear. The question is, is what are you doing? And if you are doing and you know that there's something more, are you being faithful in what you're doing or are you so focused on the next thing that you're not being faithful in what you're doing now? You're so focused on what God's supposed to do for you that you're not taking and being faithful in what you're doing now. Be faithful in the small things so that he can say, I can see that you're worthy I'm going to give you more. And greater things are you going to do. I'm going to get done a little early tonight. And someone said, yay. Uh, but on the other side of that, uh, need your help tonight. Uh, this Friday is the ladies' home for Christmas, I think it's called, or something of like that. It's home for Christmas, is that right, Carrie? Um, so we need the chairs back in the alcove and these chairs stacked and, and put back there so they can set up tomorrow for this. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you. Lord, I look across and I know that many that I'm talking about this are so engaged in so many different things, Heavenly Father. I ask that you would take and touch them, minister to them, strengthen them, Heavenly Father. Let them not be weary in well-doing, but take and feel energized by your Holy Spirit to do. Their faithfulness doesn't go unnoticed. I thank you for their gifts and talents they're using. But if anyone is holding back, Heavenly Father, then let them step up. Because you just want them faithful in that small thing. Maybe they've been waiting for something greater and you say, I got something better. Just abide where you're at now. Be faithful where you're at now. Show the skills and talents and ability to go to greater things and I will give it to you.
Lord, there's others that are not here tonight that they're sitting back, waiting, not doing anything. They're not occupying. They need you to, they need to be motivated by you, Heavenly Father, to engage, bring their gifts and talents so that the few that are doing do not grow tired and weary. But with many hands, the work is light. Lord, be with Pastor as he's traveling. Let him be refreshed tonight, Heavenly Father, by your Holy Spirit. Put your hand of protection upon him and Jonathan. For it's not necessarily a safe place as it is here. Lord, let us be occupiers, engaged in the world, and engaged in the church. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Appreciate you all. If you will take at least one chair and many more, or at least get them stacked so we can roll them back. We really appreciate the help.